Welcome, everyone. My name is John Gilbert. We have Casey Jackson here. Hello. Tammy Calais. Hello. And we are the MI guys at the Institute for Individual and Organizational Change. And we are here to help you with an evidence-based approach for helping the individuals, organizations, and communities that you serve. And we tend to do that, particularly through the lens of motivational interviewing as a best practice. Yes. So today we have a question that came in that's a bit of a prickly, slippery, whatever words you want to use yes. here, one, um, that might be tough for those of you that include anyone in your life that you might see a bit narcissistic. So uh, Tammy, if you would, kick us off and we'll dive in. Yeah, so the question is, can you use motivational interviewing with a narcissist? So, um, so anybody that knows MI, first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna resist our writing reflex. Um, and then let's just look at the basic structure of MI and answer the question from that perspective. It's what I always like to, it's the way my brain works effectively for responding to those kind of questions. Is you talking about a whole person and are you trying to MI the whole person? So that's my first question, my response back, are you trying to, am I the whole person? Is motivation interviewing? Um, or are you talking about a specific target behavior? Is it really, when you're talking about somebody with any personality disorder, so I want, I'm, I'm gonna use narcissistic personality disorder as the lens, but talk about borderline personality disorder, dependent personality disorder, just personality disorder in general. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I think of is what's the target behavior? Um, so can I, am I the narcissistic personality disorder? So they're not, they're not narcissistic. Well, that's, that's not a target behavior. Um, so usually what I think of then is that's why I go back to, well, clearly it can trigger a writing reflex in us. It, am I effective with someone with narcissistic personality disorder? My answer would be yes, depending on the target behavior, if their behavior is not in alignment with their values. So is ambivalence about the target behavior? And usually what tends to happen, ironically, is that their behavior is not aligned with our values and our goals, which ironically is a little narcissistic. Um, so um, so <laughs> I mean, it's, it's oversimplifying it um, because I know the complexities of working with personality disorder, having worked in mental health for so many years. Um, I don't want to oversimplify it or um, belittle a question because the question is a great question. What you're going to go back to is I always think with personality disorder, depending on what you believe about the development of personality disorder, most theories believe it happens early in childhood. Like just that kind of zero to two object relations theory is the way I was raised with personality disorder, understanding it. And what I think of then is somebody with personality disorder is extremely more skilled at pulling us out of equipoise than we are at staying in equipoise. So when people say things or do things that have personality disorder, there's a higher likelihood it's gonna trigger our writing reflex, that we don't agree with how they're doing things or what they're doing. So you heighten that, and it's gonna pull us out of equipoise and trigger our writing reflex that much more quickly. Mm -hmm. So then if you go, okay, let's take MI and an overlap of MI on it. Well, if I can stay in perfect equipoise, and not get my writing reflex triggered, it's gonna keep resistance down, and I get a better assess, does their behavior line up with their values? When a million times their brain has said, I am right, I am right, I am right, you can predict that your first, first reflections 
it's going to feel like, no, they think they're right. They have no ambivalence. Well, that tape has been played a million times for say that's narcissistic, has narcissistic personality disorder. So that's the thing to think of. Is then how can I, how can I, and they do it from a place of that what we perceive as righteous, that they're not listening, they're unwilling to listen to any other person. Mm-hmm. So I have to be able, my reality and my writing reflex, to step in their side, their reality. Oh my gosh, a million times in a row I've been right. Why would I be wrong here? And this is the start of how can I enter that worldview and potentially explore if ambivalence exists with the knowledge that this level of rightness has been played a million times. And so me doing one or two complex reflections is probably not going to break that lifelong pattern of feeling right. What it's going to take then is a higher level of engagement, the first of the four processes of MI. So I'm going to have to have a a much deeper, much more solid level of engagement. And this is why I think it's so critical. This is why the reason that I lean so much towards teaching partnership and engagement versus relationship in MI, Mm -hmm. because relationship can actually contaminate the MI process, I believe, with some of these personality disorders. It just increases the level of complexity of what you're going to have to navigate because there's kind of the us-them perspective or are you agreeing with me or disagreeing with me. It creates that convoluted dynamic that we'd have to navigate on top of navigating a really complex situation. But if I get engagement and that individual struggles with personality disorder or I'm struggling with their personality disorder, the more I can step inside their reality, the more we know resistance is going to go down, which increases the likelihood I can access the potential for ambivalence. Mm-hmm. There may be a million times that their brain genuinely does not believe there's any ambivalence. That could be true. And I've got to manage my writing reflex because their behavior, again, is not in line with what my values and goals are. But it's your level of assessment to be able to see, do they have ambivalence? Does any ambivalence exist? Is there... It's, it's one of the reasons why I got into the whole thing of saying if there's 0.0000000 ambivalence, then motivation thing is not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, having worked so long in mental health, it's like, well, it looks like there's zero ambivalence. And then I work with somebody with personality disorder and it's like, well, it looked was actually 0.0002. And it's like, well, then there's ambivalence that exists. So I'm going to continue to try to improve my MI skills and use that to be able to see, can I increase any sense of ambivalence that would exist within them without me trying to falsely install it or instill ambivalence, um, which is, again, maintaining equipoise and not getting triggered by my writing reflex. So um, so to the original question, can you use motivational learning with narcissistic personality disorder? My first response would be yes. My second response would be if you're clear about what the target behavior is. And my third response would be, and it's going to be commensurate with what your skill set is at motivational interviewing with how complex it is to work with a really difficult situation. And that makes a lot of sense too, just in general, because someone that has, um, you know, a personality disorder, that's, that's going to be complex just in general. (laughs) And so your skill set makes, you want to make sure that you've got the skill set to kind of help navigate that too. Well, you know, and I, I, I think the thing when we think of it, um, when you hear personality disorder, especially if you know intimately what personality disorder is, it really is not structurally on paper much different than somebody with other complex issues. So I'm de- if you're dealing with somebody who's morbidly obese with diabetes and edema, 
um, COPD uh, and uh, epilepsy, like, oh my gosh, would, would this one approach work? Well, for what behavior and for what target are we talking about? Like, it's just the level of complexity, you're gonna have the commensurate, what's the skill set and what outcome are we working towards? So it's the same thing for me with personality disorder, it's so complex, yes, it can be effective, psychoeducation can be effective, um, you know, some diabetes regimen can be effective with somebody in that situation, but you also have to take these other factors into account because it's like a mobile. As soon as you move one piece of it, other things on the mobile are going to jostle around as well too. So it's how comprehensively we can look at it. And it's the same thing, I think, from an MI perspective with really complex presenting issues. Makes sense. And, and to that point and what uh, you were bringing up too, Tammy, I know, Casey, you have significantly more experience than me in these situations. I, I've hardly yet having been a part of enough trainings and one-on-ones now with people that are learning their own MI and or uh, plenty of professionals, I just want to jump in to say that something that tends to be helpful is to recognize that it's difficult, period. Hmm. Now you're going to try something new, which makes it potentially even more difficult in the beginning. Yes. So you're adding difficulty upon difficulty whenever you have something new and you're not comfortable with. So expect or at least normalize for yourself that you're going into a difficult situation. Now, is there evidence to show it can help with personality disorder and narcissistic personality? Yes, there's, there's stuff out there and there's anecdotes we have, but also our research with mental health. How motivated, how well rested, how clear are you on who you want to be that day when you walk in to try your MI? Now, yes. let's say all that's in place and you, have, you really believe in MI, you care about it, and yet you haven't got any feedback on your practice. Well, do we know if MI is even happening or not? We don't know. Uh, right. No one's taken a bite of the recipe as you talk about, Casey. So there's layers to this of your own motives as a practitioner your own self-reflection process and seeking feedback as a practitioner. And at a certain point, a certain level of belief system as the practitioner or other person, if you're just a friend or someone in, you know, talking, how right do you feel you are? And are you willing to not be righteous about being righteous? And this is something that I've learned as Casey's taught me. And if you can walk in going, people have their own perspectives and I feel right in mine. And so I may have evidence or things to back mine up, but I know that that's not helpful and I got to be curious and I got to be humble. And even if they don't agree with me by the end of this, that's not what it's about. It's about doing what you said, Casey, getting in their worldview, seeing if there's ambivalence and about what topic. If we could be talking about COVID and people are not ambivalent that there's a bunch of deaths like we were kind of talking about offline, but they're definitely, they have, as in maybe they have um, zero ambivalence about that this is a conspiracy, but they definitely might have ambivalence about how many deaths are happening, right? So if you're in that conversation, you might explore the one where there's more ambivalence rather than the one where there's not, because there's a lot more traction to be had, but that's the same topic but you got to listen carefully and be very present. So I just think it can get very complex, but you got to start with where are you? How are you feeling? What do you believe? And enter with that mindset that you're talking about, Casey, that makes it a lot easier. It's just, it's work. 
Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, what I'd wrap it up with, Tammy, just taking a little bit of what John was talking about as well, is what I always think of with MI when somebody asks, you know, can you use it with this population? The other thing that I'll always say is it is going to come down to your skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, you can give uh, somebody who's their first year resident as a physician and say, if I give you this scalpel, can you do brain surgery? Um, well, I don't think so. Well, can you be a brain surgeon for, you know, 30 years and somebody give you a scalpel and say, can you have an effect, a positive effect using the scalpel doing some level of brain surgery? They could say, I could have a more positive effect. So it's also your skill set has to be commensurate with the level of complexity because people always throw the curveballs at us. Maybe used with narcissistic personality disorder, can be used with borderline, can it be used with somebody that's homeless, that's using multiple substances, that's living under a bridge and doesn't want to have housing. Like, well, yes, you can use MI. It depends on the target behavior. And I'm always going to say it depends on your skill set, depending on how complex the issue is, just like we would say in healthcare. Can these things work? Well, they probably can work, but I don't think I have the skill set to do it. Um, and those are the things that I think of. Instead of what we tend to hear the most is, MI does not work with the population that I work with. Um, it doesn't work with this client. And when I hear those statements, then I just know that it's, it tends to be that they're not, either their skill set isn't there, or like John said, what they're doing is not motivational interviewing, or there's not a clear target behavior, or there's not ambivalence on the part of the client. So great, great question. And lastly, I'll just add to your point, Casey, there's a difference between someone like me who's practiced this a lot versus having lots of experience with someone like narcissistic personality in the moment. And I might have a skill set, but how is my emotion set going into it? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that relates it back to equipoise, writing reflex and resistance if i don't have a need to be right and i can free myself from that but still be curious still be in their worldview that's an emotion set that yes takes skills but if i'm so focused on the skills as you've taught me i can be very skillful but if i still believe i'm right and they're wrong that's going to shape into this weird manipulative thing that is an mi that is likely to create resistance versus if i can have an emotion set that is the spirit of MI that's measurable, then skills to that really have a higher likelihood to garner some win-win progress. Perfect. Well, thank you guys both for answering the question. Thank you viewers for asking the question. Feel free to send any questions our way to Tammy Calais, T-A-M-I dot C-A-L-A-I-S at ifihost.com and we will answer them on our podcast right here. So again, thank you to all, and I hope you guys have a great day. Excellent. Thank you. Bye, everyone.